Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we're talking all about Orlando Regionals, which is coming up this weekend, and that's really going to be our main point of discussion today. We'll talk about a little bit of tournament prep and how things may go at this massive tournament. We'll, of course, have guess that flavor text, and then we'll wrap it up with the meta predictions, meta breakdown. We'll talk about what decks we think are going to do well, what techs we think certain decks should be including for the weekend, what cards will help improve your matchups, and overall, how we think you may be able to find success at Orlando this weekend. My name is Chip Ritchie, and I'm joined here, as always, by my friend and co-host, Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How we doing, man? Doing pretty good, Chip. Uh, kind of had an up and down week. Still feeling a little bit sick or under the weather. I don't really know. So uh, didn't get as much uh, streaming done as I would have liked. But uh, hopefully going to be feeling good going into Orlando this weekend. Uh, and then I also kind of hurt my shoulder in the gym. So uh, <laughs> it's not bad. Nothing bad. I just like pulled something or strained something a little bit too much. So getting probably too big, not gonna man. Be hitting... Getting too big. <laughs> probably... <laughs> probably not going to be hitting the gym this week, I guess. I'll still do. I guess I'll do legs. No upper body stuff, maybe. Um, but, uh, besides that, my week's been, uh, pretty, uh, pretty chill, uh, but, uh, getting, uh, ready for not just Orlando regionals, but kind of the, a slew of traveling heading up coming up here soon for me, because yeah, right after Orlando, we've got OCIC and right when I get back from OCIC, it's Knoxville and I'm actually going to Knoxville early. So I'm going to OCIC a little bit early as well to deal with help, hopefully deal with some of that jet lag. So yeah, just kind of mentally preparing for the uh, slew of travel coming up here. Yeah, um, had a pretty good week myself. Really nothing like crazy going on, just normal life things, I guess. Um, I did get to go play in the locals this past weekend. I didn't do the best, um, but they had Crown Zenith legal for the tournament, so I got to mess around with some of those new cards. Um, played with the Zamazenta and Sky Seal Stone in a Lost Box deck. Like I said, I didn't do the best. I ended up going 2-1-2, and two, which is, like, honestly kind of cringe. But <laughs> <laughs> my two ties, let's see, one one tie was, um, oh, I just messed up a game two against a Mew, and then we went to game three and didn't have enough time to finish, so it was just a legitimate mm-hmm. tie. Um, like, t- game um, three we were playing, and um it was like a situation where like i could win if i took two v max knockouts back to back which i could theoretically have done with my deck and so my opponent just psychic leaped his only mu v max out of play to like not even give me the, <laughs> the chance to do it i was like okay so we're tying he's like yeah we're tying <laughs> um and then the other tie just had like a dead draw game i think and then a, like that i should have scooped earlier than i did one of those type of things you know it's always hard to know when to scoop um and then I was going to tie another game. These Lost Box decks just take forever. <laughs> I was going to tie another game, the, the, the loss, and I ended up just uh, giving the win to my opponent because I was 0-1. They were 1-0, and they're a friend, and they, um, you know, a loss for me at that record is the same as a tie. Or a tie is the same as a loss, really, for both of us, I guess. So I just gave them the win in that one. But... Uh, but yeah, I had a fun at least. I don't get to play as much Pokemon these days as some of you guys. So I enjoyed getting to go out and play. Shout outs to my wife for taking care of the baby for a day so I could go do that. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what's going to go down in Orlando this weekend. And like I said, that's going to be the most, the bulk of what we're talking about this week. Because this is looking, Azul, 
Orlando like it's going to be the largest regionals of all time. We did talk about this a little bit last week, but definitely still worth mentioning again, um, which is awesome to see for the growth of the game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it's looking it's going to be the largest. I think that we hit the cap this week, um, so uh, they might open up some more slots for people who have, uh, I did see you know, say that. yeah, canceled, looking to get refunds. They got to work all that out. So I think if you haven't been able to register yet, there will be some more slots opening up. It sounds like. Um, so be on the lookout for that. What is it? What is it? Go follow RK9 on Twitter. And also, I forget overload the who, who, overload events. Yeah, go follow those two over on Twitter, RK9 uh, and overload events um, to make sure if you're trying to get in, figure out, you know, when those things are becoming available again, if there is anything becoming available again. But there might be some more, it sounds like. But yeah, largest regional almost ever for sure is about to happen again. And then <laughs> uh, it's competing now with numbers. Uh, that we get at uh, NAIC, right? NAIC, largest regional or largest tournament generally outside of Japan, of course. I mean, Japan it's already like, going to be bigger than this past year's NAIC. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. 1,200 players or something like that. Did this NAIC cap super hard or something? Because that feels like low compared. We hit I think the cap, it did right? cap. Yeah, I think it did cap if I remember right. Okay. It's been a while though. Yeah, because the ones before that, because the biggest NAIC we've ever had was uh, 2018. We had 1,500, uh, 1,534 um yeah so being 300 players less it must have capped right we must have capped um, yeah it was at 11 how we would have gotten less was yeah, i don't see how we would have gotten less there? yeah um so the big thing for me that i'm like this like uh uh i'm curious about now is like how big could NAIC get this year um of course it does depend on where they cap it so i'm i think we could get to 2000 players at NAIC. i think i mentioned that uh, a, a couple episodes ago i think we could get to 2000 players at NAIC this year if the cap uh, allows for it for sure. Yeah, hopefully so. That would be awesome. I mean, I love to see the game growing. I love to see more people getting interested in it. Um, so it just gets me fired up. Yeah, I'm super pumped to see people wanting to come out and play Pokemon. These tournaments are so much fun. I've talked to so many people the last few weeks who are like going to their first regionals um, with one of these, you know, there's just kind of in my area, I guess, as well. Because um, like Orlando, East Coast, you know, some people will drive down from there. And then Knoxville Regionals is not too far, and Charlotte Regionals is in North Carolina, just a yeah. couple hours away from where I am. So there's tons of people who are going to be going to their first ever regionals, and um, I know people I've talked to are really excited. And yeah, just it's it's good things to see people uh, getting pumped about playing Pokemon. Yeah, I feel like we're finally we're actually starting to just hit. These are like supposed to be the this is we're just starting to hit the East Coast Regionals now, right? Everything else has been more west coast midwest like nothing has really been east coast yeah yet, we had right? baltimore pretty much but that was that's oh just true it. we did yeah. a baltimore and baltimore did cap that cap pretty fast too so it was a it was it, so like it was could have been quite a bit bigger although it was already pretty packed in the yeah in the bunker or wherever we were yeah it was packed i mean in toronto was really big for toronto like it was massive yeah. for a toronto regionals right and because that was east coast so i mean i'm sure there's probably people out there who got their passport to go to toronto regionals this year you know yeah. like people who didn't have it before and they're like you know what we can make this drive from the east coast um yeah just like a larger portion of the u.s population is on the east coast so these east coast regionals just end up getting a lot bigger yeah, do you think any like just kind of do a little bit of prediction here so this one's going to be the biggest one. Do you think any of the other ones will pass? Let me look at the city. Orlando. Um, um, it won't be Vancouver. There's I a don't chance. Think... I mean, I guess Charlotte could. That would be the one, right? I think that so. That would probably be the one that would have to Maybe Connecticut? With. I could see Connecticut. Well, I think Connecticut's probably a little harder to get to than Charlotte. Charlotte's Charlotte more expensive. 
I mean, Charlotte's like a decently sized airport, so it's like probably a little bit more flyable than Hartford. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be probably one of those two. It'll be Charlotte or, I mean, I guess Knoxville, but we've already seen registration numbers go out for Knoxville and it's sitting at like 1200 ish for all divisions TCG right now. Um, yeah. so I don't think that's going to do it. Um, yeah, probably not. I mean, I don't know. There's Florida just traditionally has always had a really large Pokemon community. So I feel like this is probably going to be the biggest one of the year, but who knows? I would love to be proven wrong there for sure. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully it's not the hopefully NEIC ends up being the biggest event of the year. We'll have to see on that as well. And it's also really yeah, it's like really cheap. Like there's a ton of players there, and it's really cheap to fly to Florida for most places, especially on the East Coast. Yeah, so it's pretty reasonable for everyone to get to Florida, which is nice. Um, but yeah, super sick to see the numbers broken again, and of course with this uh, with this tournament will be the first no second no first first tournament first tournament with Crown Zenith League. I was like Liverpool maybe and the reason the reason it's so hard to like come to that uh thought process is because there's not that many good cards. Crown Zenith was like a pretty big set, right? It wasn't a small set. It wasn't like a, a Dragon's Majesty or anything. And Dragon's Majesty arguably yeah, Dragon's Majesty had more impactful cards for like a 30 card set. So um but yeah, Crown Zenith reasonably sized set. It is kind of a filler set for us here in America. Uh, but yeah, really nothing too impactful. Now that you've played an IRL tournament with the cards legal, did you see very much change in uh, the decks? I mean, I think that the cards that are good, you know, which is just a couple, will be played in some capacity. But I mean, I don't think we're going to see any Rotom V-Stars out there making uh, a deep run at the <laughs> tournament. You know, someone might play it and might do well with it. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Rotom V-Star in day two, right? But I don't think... We're going to see that like win the tournament most likely so um yeah i mean i oh. think the main three the three biggest cards from the set i think are definitely radiant eternatus sky seal stone and then zamazenta and really sky seal stone and zamazenta work in one archetype which is lost box for the most part it feels like that's really the the place that you're going to be playing both of those cards and radiant eternatus as well has been pretty popular alongside the comfy lost zone engine um, so I don't know. Uh, one thing I will say is I've definitely become very disappointed in Radiant Eternatus. We've talked about that card for months <laughs> now, you and I both, yeah. how, how excited we were for the card. And it's just been a big old fat fail so far. Really just nothing feels great with it, but it is the type of card that I wouldn't be surprised to see someone come up with something really cool and do pretty well with it. Yeah, yeah, I think there's definitely some potential there for sure. I haven't found anything. Like, I've tried out the the go-to suspects, the the Duraludon, of course, and I never liked the idea. I didn't even try it with Flying Pikachu because I didn't like the idea of putting Flying Pikachu in there. I was already struggling to make the deck consistent enough with just Duraludon. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I've tried it with the Duraludon. haven't tried it with much else besides that, but yeah, I think there is some potential there. So if someone can come up with something with, like, an Orbital VMAX, you know, we got the Deoxys VMAX. There's definitely some cards that it could be good with. So I'm hoping someone's got something. I think Shadow Rider... Uh, that's one I do want to try. I think Shadow Rider might be the uh, the thing we should be looking to with that for sure. So, um, yeah, definitely some potential with the Radiant Turnus. And, yeah, because it's Sky Seal Stone, the Zamacenta making its way into a decent amount of Lost Box decks. The Sky Seal Stone seems to be the one that's making its way into more. Of course, it's a little yeah. bit more flexible as long as you just play the, that basic V Pokemon. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll see those being – I think we'll see Sky Seal Stone being a pretty uh, – Probably the biggest of the three cards moving forward, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I, I, think, it. I think we'll see Sky Seal Stone as well in uh, like the Vikavolt decks, right? I think that that's yep. a deck that can utilize it pretty well um, since you're just going to take a one-shot at some point with Raikou or um, 
the Vika will, you know, doing 200 with the second attack or 190, 200 with the Zapdos on your bench, right? So, yeah, I think those are the two places we could see it. I mean, anywhere else that it could fit, we were talking a little bit before. I thought, like, uh, one of actually one of the parents of one of the kids I coach thought, brought up Sky Seal Stone in Gudra for the Mew matchup. I mean, because that's been the big thing that people have. Uh, disliked or not disliked, but like have talked about around Sky Seal Stone is the fact that you can just Drapion Sky Seal Stone take four prizes on a Mew V Max. <laughs> it's pretty good. And if you knock out a Genesect first, you never get Roxanne, which is super good. Yeah, yeah. So you dodge the Roxanne. So that's like definitely a combo. Like I think Sky Seal Stone decks that abuse, uh, they're trying to abuse a little bit more heavily than just kind of like, well, I play a Raikou in my Lost Box deck. I'll throw in a Sky Seal Stone. Ones that are built a little bit more heavily around it. You know, maybe. Zapdos, Raikou, Drapion. Uh, what else is there? Is there any other things that seems decent? I guess those are the main ones, right? Um, yeah, I mean, if you're playing Dragonite in the deck as well, yeah, you know, that's just yeah. naturally something you can slap it on. Yeah, so then, yeah, put the Sky Seal Stone in there, and then, yeah, your Mew matchup gets... It seems to get pretty good, right? Like, the potential to draw four prize cards and play around Roxanne like that is, is a pretty big deal, I feel like. So um, that's definitely cool combo to pull off with it um alongside like you know just being able to draw that extra prize card in like the other matchups as well so yeah, i definitely like the uh definitely like the idea of the sky seal stone uh in that and then it gives you that that matchup i, th I think for like gudra specifically if you're gonna put a sky seal stone in i don't know how much it helps any other matchups i think maybe just playing two drapion is sure. is just a little bit better uh, of course your your odds of opening drapion be do increase by quite a bit so that would suck but um, I think that'd be a much cleaner answer for the Guja deck to deal I mean, with because because you have to find it. I think I feel like that's one thing no one like thinks about. It's like oh, I go they go turn to Lugia and then knock out my Pokemon. I go turn to Raikou with my Sky Seal Stone. It's like well, you play one Sky Seal Stone, <laughs> like them getting turned to Lugia is always gonna happen. Yeah, you getting turned to attack with Raikou with us with your one of Sky Seal Stone is not as likely to happen. So yeah, a lot. Of, it feels like when people like talk about matches with Sky Seal Stone, kind of theory around it, everyone's like, "Oh, I always have my Sky Seal Stone," but <laughs> you're not always gonna have your Sky Seal Stone. Maybe if you like play a heavy Raihan count or something, maybe. But you still need to get other stuff cooking. So yeah, I think it makes sense in a deck that plays Raihan. Maybe like an amazing Rayquaza deck. That's actually the deck I played at my locals. Was I played a, a Lost Box deck with three different basic V attackers with Sky Seal Stone. I played the the three you mentioned the uh, the Galarian Zapdos, the Raikou, and the uh, Drapion and um, played it alongside Rayquaza and having Raihan, you're able to find it on those turns if you really need it um, or if you need to find it like that. Uh, I will say it did end up in my lost zone a decent amount <laughs> off of flower <laughs> selecting. And sometimes it was even in matchups where I thought I would really like to use this, but I can win without it. So I just have to lose this instead of ordinary rod, you know, it's like stuff yeah. like that. Um, but you know, that's just Lost Box things. I, it makes me wonder if maybe there's room for some Intellian toolboxy type deck to come out, right? Uh, is the card powerful enough to make it worth playing that engine? Like, is it worth dedicating an engine to playing the card? Probably not, I guess. But, you know, something interesting to think about, maybe. Yeah, probably not. I don't think you're going to... I mean, it does it that, but like, that would make it like a lot cleaner, right? If you, could, yeah. I mean, and like we've seen some decks in the past with like the Zapdos, the one of Zapdos, and getting Raikou plus Raihan isn't hard in Intellion decks either. So maybe there is some kind of uh, deck that kind of just plays around the prize trade super heavily, and you're always able to eventually get ahead when you go for that knockout on... When you go for that knockout for the three prize cards with the Sky Seal Song. Because it is a pretty big swing, to be honest, in 
most matchups in most scenarios. So it does it does swings the scenarios pretty heavily in your favor. So just pulling it off, I think, is the issue. And of course, like a lot of decks that have like those, uh, especially like Lugia, I guess would be the one. Like the the Lugia V. If you don't, the Lugia V star never actually has to make its way to the active, right? And even after it was in the active for a turn, it might make its way to the bench after that. So it's not only set up an attack with like a Raikou, get the Sky Seal, so you're supposed to boss the Lugia at that point, which should be like difficult to pull off as well. It's like another piece you need. Uh, to now set we're up playing in, like, cross switchers, right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're going that far, but yeah, it no. does definitely lead to like a whole different. Uh, you know, you like that's why I think a deck more dedicated to utilizing Sky Seal Stone could be better. Like I'm talking about, like playing two Sky Seal Stone, double your odds of seeing it. Um, you know, and play more heavily for that to be your strategy, and don't probably don't play as high of maintenance attackers like Ra- Rayquaza or Kyogre. But play like a Lost Box build that is more dedicated towards uh, price trading and having the abusing the power of the Sky Seal Stone more aggressively. I think something like that could be pretty sure. cool. Maybe something like Twin Energy Snorlax type deck. Yeah, I don't know if I go that. The Twin Energy Snorlax stuff was never. No, I was never a fan of that. <laughs> There's something out there. Maybe someone can fi- uh, figure something out. So, yeah, yeah one, one question I kind of had that I wanted to talk about here on the pod as well was um, how do you, you know, as one of the top players in the game and your testing group as well, you know, comprised of many of the top players in the game, um, how do you go about coming into an event like this where – there's a new set, new cards to look at, so theoretically there should be some shakeup in the meta. But at first glance, and even after like a little bit further testing, it doesn't really feel like there's anything that's going to change the meta that much. We had this a little bit last year between NAIC and Worlds, right? When we got Pokemon Go yeah. and it felt like, you know, Pokestop, Lunatone, Solrock, and Radiant Charizard were really the only things that were shaking the meta up. Um yeah, I don't know. Like, how do you approach these tournaments when we get these mini sets where there's only a handful of cards that impact the meta for these major tournaments? Um, I feel like it just makes it it makes it a little bit harder to get. Um, there's just it's it's kind of like there's just going to be less unknown decks to have to worry about. Um, compared to like a main set release. Yeah, which means I think there's like less pressure on on you to come up with something that can handle the unknown or, or just ha- having your own unknown deck it's like muse like luke like all these top decks are still just gonna be good like there was no major deck or there's no it seems like there's no major deck coming out of this set that'll make make lugia not a viable deck or not make Mew not a viable deck or make lost box not a viable right. deck right like, all, all the top decks um are still viable and most of them didn't change at all right i don't think lugia is adding anything from <laughs> from crown zenith i don't think muse adding anything from crown zenith it's like lost box gained some tools and there's archetypes that can be built around rating Eternatus, but how good um, are any of these adjustments? I mean, they definitely it definitely makes the decks more powerful theoretically, right? Because if you're adding Sky Seal Stone or you're changing your build to include Zamazenta, your deck definitely had to have gotten better. Otherwise, why would you do that, right? Theoretically, um, so. But yeah, it just it's, it, for these kind of like set releases, like sometimes I mean, that's what we kind of saw at Worlds. Really, like nothing really changed. Like there was the Radiant Charizard deck, but that was about it. Reggie's got Pokestop, right? But the, the, really, nothing changed overall from um from naic to worlds right. just like kind of nothing has changed from where do we go crown zenith uh from what's it called to crown zenith what do we what set did we just get i don't even remember what set we just got um, oh silver tempest silver yeah. tempest to crown zenith like <laughs> nothing it seems like nothing really changed but i would love to be proven wrong by you know and we'll i think we'll see a lot of potential potential to be proven wrong you know coming up this week in our orlando i haven't found anything yet that's like super broken um but i hope someone has because like a, a shakeup would be nice because we're here for another two months yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> this format is not changing uh, for a while, but uh, 
yeah, one other thing I wanted to talk about in regards to just like general tournament things. Like this is a discussion that came up on Twitter today. Um, I'm going to pull up the Pokestats tweet because that's kind of where I saw it originate. Um, is the fact that this tournament is looking so large. Uh, yeah, here's the Pokestats tweet. I'm just going to pull it up and read it right here. Day two of next weekend's Orlando Regionals can reasonably reach 200 players per Limitless TCG's match point projections. This would be the largest day two of any regionals in history and would be larger than day one of any <laughs> Australian regionals, which is so wild. Like, the, we're going to have a 200-plus person day two at this event. And, you know, looking at the Limitless Swiss Calculator, you know, projecting around 1,500 match uh, masters, 18-ish percent tie rate. You know, that's numbers I've heard from people is 18 to 20 percent tie rate. So 18 percent is what I went with here. Enable intentional draws. You're expecting for 19 match points there to be 243 players in day two potentially of this <laughs> tournament. So really what this discussion led to was people talking about if this is the case, are you still going to ID at 18 match points, right? If you're going in to round nine with a record of six and two, you can take a tie, an intentional draw, an ID with your opponent so that you both are guaranteed to make day two. The problem with doing that is it makes it much more difficult for you to make top eight. Um, yeah, you would literally have to go 6-0. And even then... It would be possible you wouldn't make top eight still. I think if you go six zero, you'd probably be good though. How many points would that be? Yeah. So and the, uh, adding on to that, the limitless projection yeah, for good. this with this tie rate is putting it at thirty five match points still being the top eight breaking point. Um, okay. But there's, I mean, that this has it at seven point three players making it in at thirty five. So even a thirty four potentially making it in in some scenarios. Obviously, this is just like estimations and not perfect numbers. I mean, I think it's very reasonable. Like, we've had regionals this year where 35 looked like it was going to be the bubble, right? And then several people yeah. tied on the winning end. So, I mean, I think it's most likely going to be 35 match points is not safe, which is a record of 11-2-2 two two is 35 match points. So, it is you 5-0-1. 5-0-1 to maybe not make it in. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so it's in, yeah. I mean, it's come up a lot recently, I feel like, like the discussion of should you ID at 6 at six and two or not. And I guess it, I mean, the biggest thing, it just com depends how competitive you are and what your kind of goal is. If your goal is to make day two, well, then that would be your, you would achieve your goal by ID. So obviously you should ID. Um, I think there's a lot of players out there who, if you ask them, their goal is to improve and become better players. Um, And I think, I think it'll be a, like, they will eventually have that mindset shift where it's like maybe the first time around, they're content with the ID at six and two, mm -hmm. but maybe once they do that and they play through day two and they realize how little of a shot they had to make top eight. I mean, going five oh one in day two is hard. Like that is yeah. tough. <laughs> there are so many good players in day two of these regionals. Yeah, maybe they should have just ID. The way I kind of looked at it is most likely. Now, if I paired up against a really good player with a close matchup, I would maybe go for the ID uh, at six and two. Or if I knew the matchup was unfavorable or slightly unfavorable and my opponent wanted to ID, then I would definitely be down to ID, right? But if it's a very favored matchup, I definitely wouldn't ID. Um, uh, but if I was up against a really good player, um, the way I think about it is like most... So if my goal is to get top eight or to go as far as I can, most likely 
the opponent I'm playing on the winning in on average is probably going to be worse than um, maybe not the first round opponent in day two, but the second round, third round. If once I start to rack up some wins, my opponents are theoretically going to get harder and harder. Yes. Right. So my goal yeah. is to top eight the tournament or do as well as I can. The, the win that's going to be the easiest is probably the person sitting across from me on the on the on the winning end at six and two. Right. So you may as well play that round out. Now, if I sit down uh, at six and two and I go up against like, um, I don't, I'm like literally just blanking on any name right now. If I sit down at six and two and I go up against like Isaiah Bradner or something, I'll probably ask them for the idea. If I know the matchup's close and I'll probably know what Bradner is playing at that point in the tournament um, because yeah, that opponent is going to be harder probably than my round one opponent in day two, uh, even if I was at seven and two, right? So at that point, it would make sense to ID, right? Um, yeah, so that makes sense to me. But otherwise, and, and then, but like I said, if it's, if, you're, if your goal is just to make day two, you'll go with it. If you even if you tell yourself you want to get better and you want to be competitive, um, I think it's still fine to take the ID at six two six and two. But I think at some point, if you don't make that mental adjustment to be like. Okay, I'm at six and two again here, um, and you know you still have that goal of trying to strive for a top eight, get a regional win, whatever. You need to eventually have that mental shift to be like, okay, I'm playing this one out. Yeah, I mean, just looking at these numbers here, though, and this might—I don't know. I feel like if you're wanting to win the tournament, even if it's Isaiah and it's a close matchup, you almost should play it, right? And I think knowing Isaiah, he would play it. And if he's sitting across from you, he'd tell you, no shot as well. We're playing it. One of us needs to get this win. Um, yeah. So like if you get the it's win possible. at 18 match points, you go to 21 match points and the limitless calc here, again, just an estimate says that that would be 29.3 cumulative players. So you're going from being a top 30 player in day two for round one of day two, uh, as opposed to being a top 150 Wait, where did how did this become 150? What happened here? <laughs> did you mess it up? Oh, it's because I changed it to a two-day tournament structure. I don't know exactly what happened here, but ba but either way, I look mean the, the point day still two, stands. Look at the phase two side, maybe look at the phase two side. Would that do it for you? No, because that's that's just for the second day of phase two is day two of the tournament. Oh, okay. It's just because yeah, I don't know exactly what happened here, but anyway, the point still stands. It doesn't matter. Point still stands. You're going from. <laughs> Even in this example, you're going from being a top 30 player round one of day two to being a top 150 player of round one day one. Like that's a big difference just starting the day off. And you're also giving yourself some leeway. You can lose a game round one, you know, or, you know, any of the rounds and still you, you have to go five and one instead of having to go five oh one. Right. And you can still go five oh one. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that if you're someone who. Your goal, if you're a top-level player and you want to win the tournament, you should play it out unless, like you said, you know it's an unfavored matchup. If you know that it is a uh, a matchup that you're probably not going to win just based on how your deck stacks up against theirs, um, then you offer the ID, right? And your opponent, of course, does not have to take the ID. They can say, oh, no, I know what you're playing. I want to play, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to try to beat you and take the win. Um, but... I will also say, like you mentioned, it's not the same for every player. And if you're someone who just wants to make it into day two, I don't think you should be 
ashamed at all or be you know like you shouldn't let anyone shame you into taking uh shame you about taking an id just to make it into day two um and i think celio's put out a pretty good tweet that kind of sums up my feelings i kind of agree with if you're six and two round nine of a regionals and you and your opponent would both rather id to guarantee getting to play more pokemon and have the day two experience go right on ahead it's your choice what might be right for a top player may not be right for you and i think that yeah it really just comes down to where you are as a player and what your kind of goals are. Yeah. Like I said, though, like if you're trying to make, make that push to become uh, a better player and stuff, I think you do need to have that mental shift and like, you know, start playing out your six twos a little bit more. Um, And then also a lot of people are talk. The amount of people who I've seen throughout the years saying that you should play it out at six and two, and they would always play it out at six and two and then get to six and two. And then ID is pretty high. It's so (laughs) easy to say when you're not sitting at the table. It's so easy to say when it's not your day two on the line, right? I always call them out when I see them doing it. I'm like, bro, you've always said to play it out. What is this? The only people that I think I've seen, I've seen stay true to it is, uh, Xander and Ian. I think are the two that I've always, that I've seen always say, actually Ian might've done it, just done it for the, it's definitely Xander's definitely one of them. He's like, you always play it out at six and two. I'm sure if Xander was in like a truly terrible matchup, um, they would ask for the ID. And if their opponent didn't know the matchup, then, you know, might be able to get it there, but uh, yeah, definitely think, yeah, if your goal, if you're looking for the top eight, you're looking to win the tournament, in a majority of situations, you should be looking to play out that last round. And if you lose, I mean, you don't have to sit for six rounds in day two just to end up 128, <laughs> and you can go yeah. do something in Orlando. There's a ton of things to do around the area, so uh, go do something fun instead of, uh, you know, yeah, because that that feels, I mean, that it's even it feels even worse now, right? We're, we're getting to the point where if you go, like, I don't know, two and four, you're going to get 256 uh, championship points. 30 championship points to play six more yeah. rounds, yeah. Yeah, it does not feel sound like a good uh, return on investment as far as the time goes, so um sometimes it wouldn't be maybe it's not that bad you know you play you play the winning if you get through great you're at seven and two which is a huge advantage over a majority of day two and if you lose hey it's not that bad you know go find something fun to do in orlando yeah i'm interested to see what will happen i'm interested to see how many players will be in day two of this tournament it's almost certainly going to be the largest day two of uh of all time um Probably bigger than almost all Australian regions. I love that that was in that part of the tweet. That was so funny. Pokestats with the subtle shade at the Oceania yeah. region. That wasn't very subtle, I feel like. <laughs> like. I mean, it's one of those stats where it's like, it is a stat, but like... Why do we have to put that there? Yeah. <laughs> it is funny, though. Yeah. It was worth it. I'm glad they put it there. <laughs> Good laughs. No Good disrespect news. to Good the Australians, news. obviously. All right. Well, before we get into the meta for this event, let's take a quick little break. Respectfully. For Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the cast, where each week Azul or I will pick a card, read it off to the other host, and uh, give them a chance to guess what Pokemon that flavor text is coming from. You do get three lifelines if you are able to get it correct without using any of your lifelines you get four points i almost said match points <laughs> you get four points <laughs> and uh um, i'd be insane i'd be going each... into orlando stacked up <laughs> <laughs> and uh for each lifeline you use you lose a chance to lose a point so you can earn from one to four points um we are i believe tied i don't actually know exactly what the number is but i know that we're tied um and it is my turn this week to pick a card for Azul, and I know many people are playing along at home, so hope everyone's ready. Azul, though, are you ready? 
Actually, one thing I want to mention here because I'm just like looking at the <laughs> he's not <laughs> tournaments ever fast. Actually, I would just like note Europe has a ton, of, like a decent amount of major events this year. They've had nine total. I wonder, like in comparison to like previous years, that seems more than they've had in the past. Azul, we're Three not on events. that segment right now. Six regionals. I was just like it just like looking at it just this crossed is my guess mind. that flavor text is all right hit me hit me with the flavor text ship hit me with the flavor text <laughs> we'll talk about european regionals in two minutes all right all right, go, all right. go ahead dna from uh sorry dna from a space virus mutated and became a pokemon it appears where auroras are seen it appears where auroras are seen um read it one more time DNA from a space virus mutated and became a Pokemon. It appears where auroras are seen. Okay, so the only alien Pokemon, so something alien-like, it sounds like. Only alien Pokemon I can think of, and maybe I'm like thinking overly think of this, is LGM and DHM. Um that's where I'm at right now with that. But are they where auroras are seen? I actually have no clue. And I'm trying to think of... Isn't there in a Pokemon called, like, Aurorus? That not that a... That I don't know if that's a <laughs> I don't think it, that's, a, that's a fossil Pokemon, though, right? Yeah. That, I'm pretty sure, yeah. So it's I'll, not that. I'll give you a hint. It's not Aurorus. I'll give you that one. <laughs> yeah. I think I was getting there. I was getting there anyways. Um, those are the ones I can think of. Those are alien-like Pokemon. Um... But I don't really have anything else to think about. So I think I'm going to have to use some of the lifelines here. I think I'm going to go with reading attack name. Psychic. Okay. Psychic. That's an attack on a lot of psychic Pokemon. <laughs> LGM and Behemoth are both psychic. I don't think a Behemoth has psychic. Uh, but psychic is usually what? It's usually like... Like 10 plus 10 more but isn't psych psychic is sometimes just one basic psychic energy for uh like 10 damage all right this isn't really going anywhere i know i'm pretty sure it's a basic so i don't want to do the use the stage i could ask what set the card is from so i think i'll go there what set is the card from chip it is from sun and moon celestial storm i have no clue now so we're gonna lock in lgm that is not correct, Azul. I'll give off the one more lifeline in case anyone's playing along at home. It is a basic, so you at least guessed a basic. All right. Uh, this was actually probably a pretty easy one for many people who are ac <laughs> actual Pokemon fans. And it is Deoxys. Oh, my God. <laughs> Deoxys. The, like literally the alien Pokemon. Yes, I didn't even think. I don't. I never thought about Deoxys being an alien to be honest. But yeah, it is, isn't it? It's kind of yeah. yeah. Any Pokemon yeah, fan out there who watched like the Deoxys movie is just like so mad at you right now. <laughs> <laughs> I might have seen that one as well to be honest. It's been a yeah, long. It's an time. older one, so you probably you were yeah. probably a kid when it came out. So yeah, you were definitely a kid when it came out. Well, yeah, a lot of people are face palming for me missing that one right there. Chip, were you confident with that one, or do you think that that, that was maybe going to slip past? I, I thought there was a. I, I wanted to do one that I. I mean, I always do ones that I think you can get. I don't. I mean, except for the one time I gave you like Morgrim. <laughs> I thought there. I picked Morgrim. I was like, he definitely doesn't even know this is a Pokemon. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I thought there was a chance you would get it. Um, this was a playable card too, so. 
I don't know yep. why that would necessarily have helped you. I don't think you've ever sit there and read your flavor texts when you're playing the game, but no. And it's, the better attack was the power blast. So, but I didn't even know that name of that attack to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, once I you see, it's funny too because there's two attacks on this card: psychic and power blast. And whenever you said that you were thinking Elgium or Behem, I was like debating which of the two attacks I wanted to read. But when you said you thought it was Elgium or Behem, I was like, oh, I'm definitely giving him Psychic for sure. <laughs> there's no shot the in Elgium power... has Power Blast, right? <laughs> yeah, there's no shot. Yeah, maybe I would have guessed something else. Yeah, if you had said, if, you, if I heard the Power Blast, that's true. But yeah, once you said Psychic, I was like, I don't know. Is there, is there an Elgium out there with a one Psychic Energy, 10 damage Psychic attack? I was like, that could be. It's like he's usually times the amount of energy almost always. I feel like sometimes it is just like it's usually based on the energy. Yeah, but yeah. Better oh, well. luck next week. Actually, in two weeks, because next week <laughs> yeah. I'm getting back ahead, baby. This is my time. <laughs> just wait. Episode 46. It's happening. All right. So got some more stuff to talk about as far as Orlando goes. Because, um, I mean, we haven't had like I said, we said uh, Crownsy. It doesn't change up too much in the meta. We did just have a regional uh, with Liverpool. Uh, Lugia has been the most popular deck, thirty percent. I, I we don't know the number for Liverpool. The lowest it's got down to is like twenty nine point six percent, I think. But besides that, it's been that or or higher at every major tournament since Lugia has been a playable deck. We don't know the Liverpool numbers for day one. Those are all the day one numbers. Day two, it's been like close to like forty forty five percent at most of them. Liverpool's is it was thirty seven. Um, but yeah, it's still definitely the the deck to beat, right? Or is, do you think that uh, Lost Box is finally making a move for that seat? Or with Mew winning, Mew did just win Liverpool <laughs> and has been doing pretty consistently well. Do you right, think it's right. like Mew needs its thrown back? Yeah, that's that's the thing, right? Uh, is what is the deck to beat? I mean, Lugia will still be the most played deck, I think, right? I don't think that's changing probably for the rest of the... I mean, I don't know. There is a chance like we come around to like Charlotte Regionals or something like that. Is that What is the last Regionals in this format? It's is Charlotte um, it? Uh, it might be. Uh, and we have this. Oh God, we have this set for so long. Yeah, Fort Wayne is even in this format too. So, yeah, it it might be come time Fort Wayne if Lugia has not done well for a couple tournaments, we could see it drop below that. You know, twenty five, maybe down to twenty percent. Uh, but for now, yeah, like for Orlando for sure. What are you looking at? There's how many more tournaments in this format? What are you One, looking two, at? Three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you just like leaned so far forward into the camera. Oh. All right, and there's 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 uh let me count, let me count them fast. One, two, three, four, five, plus OCIC, six more tournaments in yeah. this same form. That is obs that's disgusting. That's just that's ones you're playing in as well, because there's uh Bochum. Oh yeah, true. There's I have to play in six more of these. Well, I don't have to. I could not go to them. I probably will go to them. I love competing. Um so I probably will go to I don't have to. But the, I enjoy competing more than I hate this format. <laughs> <laughs> there might be some formats where you chose not to. <laughs> so I'm going to complain about it. Yeah. Yeah, I started giving up on the – before COVID, I was giving up on expanded regionals. I didn't go to one of them or two of them towards the end there. Yeah, it was getting pretty bad. But, uh, yeah, so about the deck to be – I mean, Lugia is still going to be the most played. But, yeah, you, you bringing that up is an interesting point. I saw this tweet today from Jake in a reply – you know, he's been, you know, the anti-meta breaker of the whole format, right? <laughs> you know, his testing, he tweeted this, his testing group right now, they're definitely overcooked a little bit. Um, 
Kevin replied and said, we, we know that Lugia counter 88 is just Palkia with one different card. It's fine. And Jake replied, Lugia is not the BDIF anymore. Beating Lost Box is the real challenge. And so I guess that's the question. Like, Is that true? Is Lost Box really the deck to beat? And I feel like it might be because I think if you factor in Lost Box Rayquaza and just like other lost box right because there's so many different lost box decks there's lost box ogre and then people might be trying stuff with um the sky seal stone type things with more v attackers we might see zamazenta like lost box decks are going to look very different this weekend than what they've looked like the last few tournaments um you're going to be questioning a lot of what people have in their list right there's not really a defined list to to really base anything off of here um, yeah, I think this tournament will like set some set some ideas up, but then like this is like not. Then we have OCIC right after that, which is the international right. tournament. So I'm sure everyone else is cooking um, outside of America as well. But this will like kind of set the pace for some ideas, but then there'll definitely be more to cook with after OCIC. Hopefully, of course, it could just be like you know eight Lugias in top eight in both of these tournaments. Like you that know, would be <laughs> a huge shock. Yeah, I think that. Uh, we are getting to a point, though, where it does feel like, you know, lost people are w worrying more so. It's almost feels more so like people know what they can do to beat Lugia, right? It's like, okay, yeah. if the meta looks like Lugia isn't going to be playing their bird keepers and stuff. We can play some paralysis type things, right? Or like there's ways that you can beat Lugia there. Or if, um, um, you know... Arceus Duraludon seems like it's well positioned. If Lugias aren't playing their canceling colognes, then Arceus Duraludon has a pretty decent matchup into Lugia, right? Um, yeah. But when it comes to things like Mew, you know, people are like, okay, we've got Drapion in order to beat Mew. When it comes to Lost Box, it's not quite as defined as to what you need to beat Lost Box. We've seen things like Flying Pikachu popping up. We've seen, seen things like Ice Q popping up in decks, of course. Um, you know, those have all been kind of popular as strategies, but. The thing is, is Lost Box also can deal with all of those things, right? You can play Escape Rope. You could even play Echoing Horn that people have played in Lost Box decks. So these are all things people have considered. Um, so it, when you're debating, you know, building a deck to beat Lost Box, you have to consider what cards are you trying to beat in Lost Box, right? If you're going into a vanilla list that doesn't have any ways to get around Ice Q or Flying Pikachu, then yeah, those seem like two good options, but... If they can get around those cards, if they've got like Temple of Sinnoh for Wash Energy, that that's cards people have played before, then you know it's just how many cards are you willing to commit to your sixty card deck to answer a certain matchup? And with Lost Box, it's just hard because there's so many possible ways for them to to play the deck. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. I feel like a lot of the answers they'll kind of beat most of the builds, um, and I guess it would just be like to try and keep whatever build of whatever deck you choose to play, probably you don't want it to be unfavorable against the most popular build of Lost Box. So if, like, Kyogre was the most popular build, then playing Mew's probably not the best idea. But, like, the rest of them don't handle Mew that well, so then Mew's still pretty good. Um, and I think that's why like, Mew's still been pretty good for for that reason as well, because, like, Rayquaza's been the most popular build, which I think Mew actually has a fine time against. Um, at first, I thought it was a pretty bad matchup. So I would say probably you don't want to lose to the most popular build of Lost Box, but I guess we are kind of up in the air as to what that is right now, right? Yeah. Um. But there's so many different builds, and a lot of the like the stuff you can play kind of collaterals most of the other builds of Lost Box uh, to some extent, if not all the way. So, like, I mean, like we just saw with Sander, like the Flying Pikachu plus Parallel, uh, uh, Parasol pretty much probably beat almost every single Lost Box list that showed up to Liverpool if he was able to set it up, right? Like, I'm pretty right. sure he just beat most of them, if not all of them. So, yeah, I think, I mean, most of the time you can collateral most of them. 
kind of sweep both of them up. But but the deck is so versatile, it is kind of hard to beat, right? Like you can't. It is so versatile, like you definitely are. You don't have that. There's not that many good answers for it. There's just like just some stuff that's good sometimes. And if the Lost Box player wants to beat your tech, they usually can, right? You usually don't have the the kind of final. Like, in the back and forth of teching for each other, Lost Box can I think always win that trade off. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and at that point as well, it just is like metagame prediction of like what answers are going to be played, what answers do I want to play to those answers, right? So it becomes super you, – you can easily get too many layers deep, and that's why metagame <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, is such an important skill in the game because um, sometimes as well, like if you're a, a – like if we're, ta we're talking about like at the top level, right, sometimes players will play one or two cards – for a specific group of players because they know they want to win the tournament and they think the deck is strong enough that they can beat most of the other field. They think they know what this group is going to play, so they'll play a card to beat that group, right? Like, that definitely yeah. happens. I feel like it used to happen a lot. I think I think tournaments are just way too big to do that anymore. I feel like that was definitely a thing pre-COVID, uh, but since COVID, I feel like the tournaments are just... There's way too massive to, like, ever think about that kind of stuff anymore. Yeah, it's just so... so which is a good thing they're so big that's a good thing like they're super big for a reason i mean maybe if like uh you know a top group like uh consistently was doing well at a tournament and they just kept bringing the same deck over and over it would be stupid not to tech for them at a certain point right like if they win like yeah, back to back like if regionals the same group was... played like lost box kyogre for like four regionals in a <laughs> row right <laughs> i mean we're not winning though we're not winning the regionals so um but yeah yeah if we if we were winning every regional with lost box kyogre that'd be one thing but we're not getting the dubs yet so um yeah then you should probably you know maybe it'd be good to like put a tech card in for lost box kyogre like maybe the manaphy and the mew wasn't as bad as xander thought if uh lost box kyogre was winning every single tournament but you know yeah the tournaments are just so huge right now yeah it's hard to like specifically even want to even want to tech for some fringe decks let alone like groups of good players or anything like that it's just, it's just like yeah there's massive it's, which is a good thing which is a good thing and being bigger bigger is uh better for sure so will we see I guess there's two cards here we can just talk about. Will we see Sky Seal Stone in Lost Box? And also, should Zamazenta work its way into most builds? So, like, the two main builds, it feels like right now, are Rayquaza and Kyogre. And that's probably what most people will be playing is one of those two. And there is a chance we'll see some new builds emerge, right? Something that's more focused yeah. on Vs with Sky Seal Stone, you know, with more Raihans, maybe to find them, something like that. Like, there's definitely a possibility for that. But going into this event, it feels like Rayquaza, Kyogre, two most popular builds... Should both of them be playing Sky Seal Stone and Zamazenta? Or, you know, maybe one of them likes one card, one of them doesn't like the other card? I don't know. What have, what have your thoughts been kind of on where those two fit into the Lost Box builds that exist currently? Uh, I mean, Zamazenta is pretty cool. Hits pretty hard, which is nice. Um, Sky Seal Stone is a little bit more... Uh, it's not like... Uh, I don't know. You kind of have to build... It feels like you have to build both decks around. Like, including those cards is tough. Yeah, because none of the none of the current builds of Lost Box before Crown Zenith naturally played a ton of basic metals. Like even the Rayquaza, uh, Rayquaza Raikou build only played two basic metal, and you don't really when they, when the attack takes two basic metal, you don't really want to play only two basic metals. Right. So um, you have to like switch over to like a three to four basic metal build to include Zamazenta, which is a very good attacker. But that's quite a big commitment, and then for the uh, so that's for the Zamazenta, and then for the Sky Seal Stone, you have to be playing V Pokemon or start adding V Pokemon, right? And it felt like towards the end, before Ground Zenith, most Lost Stone decks were going down to like no uh, V Pokemon. I think the one uh, uh, 
uh, person who stood out with a separate list was like Nick Moffat's uh, build of Lost Ray with the Raikou and the Zapdos. Um, but besides that, most people weren't playing them at all. So now you kind of have to like completely restructure these Lost Home decks. Or are the way it was played before Crown Xenus just better? Is, is the Kyogre build with the... I mean, you did have the Dragonite in the Kyogre build before, so maybe you fit a Sky Seal Stone in there. Um, or is it like, you know, Pablo's build of Ray? Is that just the best build? That's definitely seen the, the bend, like the, the Lost Home deck that I think we've seen the most people kind of uh, pick up and kind of carry on since Pablo played it at uh, San Diego regionals was a ton of, I've seen a ton of people play it online. People were playing it in like, uh, you know, their team challenges and stuff or online tournaments. And then in Liverpool too, there was a lot of lists that were very similar to what Pablo brought to San Diego. And I think that is, it was, it was a very good list. And is it so good that you don't really want to add Zamazenta or Sky Sealstone? I think that's definitely possible for sure. Yeah, definitely. Zamazenta being so energy hungry is annoying because it, Zamazenta, in theory, fixes one of the main issues for Lost Box, and that's Stoutland V, right? Because it can just instantly respond to Stoutland. Uh, a quick Stoutland from Lugia can be really scary to deal with uh, because, like, for Kyogre, at least traditionally, now you're, like, panic mode having to find Snorlax, Mirage Gate, Choice Belt, which, you know, you can do. It's not super hard to do, but um, Zamazenta, I mean, you know, just finding that answer. plus metal energy is that easier than finding all those pieces is the question. Um, but like for Kyogre, right, that's a deck that wasn't even playing Metal Energy before this. So now you have to change yep. the way the entire deck looks if you want to include uh, the Zamazenta into your deck. So, yeah, it just becomes a question of is is that worth it? And um, I think the answer is potentially, but you just have to change the whole deck. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you're talking <laughs> about you're talking about a deck that's going to be, you know, six, seven cards different than what you were playing before the card came out. Right. Yeah, so a decent amount of changes, I think, to try and include some of these cards. Um, but it doesn't mean that's not the better way to go. It just means, like, they're almost, like, completely different decks at that point, to be honest, which is fine. But are they actually better than what we currently are, are rocking? I'm not sure yet, to be honest. I haven't messed around too much with the Lost Zone stuff uh, on stream yet, but I plan to do some more of that this week. Um, so if you want to catch me playing, messing around with some of that, be sure, to check out, be sure to check out the stream this week if you want to see me messing around with some Lost Box stuff, because that's kind of, kind of my plan this week going into Orlando, for sure. But, um yeah, I mean, Lost Box in general is good no matter what. I think that's that's for sure, right? Lost Box is still solid. And if you combine all the percentages together, it'll be, you know, if you, because like they've been splitting them up on the, the meta breakdowns at the regionals. Um, they've been like separating Ray and everything else, but it'll definitely be in the top three most played decks. It'll be Lugia number one, and maybe Lost Box can fight for the number two spot over Mew, but I think Mew will probably still be holding that. Yeah, so we saw in San Diego, it was Lost Box being more popular than Mew. So going into San Diego, Mew was definitely on a pretty big decline as far as play goes. It was not super popular. Um, I mean, it was reasonably popular at all of these tournaments, right? It was the second most played yeah, deck yeah. in in um, Brazil. It was the second most played deck in Toronto, second most played deck in Arlington. But really at Arlington is where it felt like, okay, none of the top level players are playing this deck. And everyone is playing Drapion at Arlington specifically. Yeah, everyone, there was so much Drapion. Everyone had Drapion at Arlington. And so even if you can beat Drapion, especially if you can just beat, you know, one Drapion, right? Like you don't want to play against it every single round <laughs> because yeah. it's just going to be tough, uh, a tough tournament road for you. So it was not as played in San Diego. It was the third most played deck, uh, second being the Lost Zone Ray. But Nathan Ginsburg still ended up getting second place with the deck, proving it's still very strong. And then in Liverpool, Leon Kesselring, Kesselring, excuse me, just got the win. So do we feel like we'll see Mew tick back up into that second place slot? Or will we see people respect it again, adding in those Drapions, 
I don't know. Um, is Drapion plus Sky Seal Stone scary enough to keep anyone off of Mew this weekend? Uh, I don't think so. I think Mew will definitely see. I think, I guess, if with the Lost Zone decks combined in percentage, they'll probably be ahead of Mew at second place. And then Ray will probably, or not Ray, but Mew will probably be third. And I think. Um, I don't think there's gonna be a huge spike in Drapion. I don't think there has to be. I think a lot of decks naturally can beat Mew. Not like our favorite against Mew, but you know, they have a matchup, they got a game plan. Um, so I don't think we'll see like a huge spike in Drapion just because Mew won and it's been doing well. I do think we'll see a bigger spike in Mew. I think people who maybe some people who gave up on Mew prior will relook at it now that you know we've seen it take the second. They're gonna hear it calling place. to them once again yeah. <laughs> at the last three regionals. I do think Mew is pretty good right now, actually. My one gripe with Mew. Uh, as of late, was like I didn't think it really beat lo any Lost Box build, but I think current builds of Ray you do beat. Um, now we got the Sky Seal Stone stuff mixing in there, and we could see people start to add Drapion to Ray um, for sure, which is something I I've been recommending to people is actually you play uh, you play Drapion and Ray. I know it might not seem great because Ray can one hit KO Mew V Max twice, but once they get to that Rock Sand turn, stuff can really start to get hard to piece together your last couple of prize cards as uh, as Lost Box Ray. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it actually leaves Mew in a pretty good spot. Cause, yeah, I was always playing Kyogre, and I was always beating up on Mews. So I always felt like the matchup was really good, mm -hmm. um, or definitely solidly favored. I've lost it a couple times, but uh, yeah, I always felt solidly favored. So I kind of like felt like every lost box deck, and, and like Sablezard always had a really good time against Mew with the Drapion in there. Yeah, I never really thought about how Ray did. I don't think Ray has the best time against it. So, but uh, yeah, Mew crease in play, um, still pretty solid. Um, and yeah, I don't think anything's gonna, I don't think there's gonna be too much Drapion. I don't think it's gonna be too scared of Drapion going into the tournament. Yeah, I think we'll see it have enough to complain. I think we will see it do pretty decently at this tournament. That's my prediction because Mew, I think on paper, like it's not worse than 50 50 against Lugia. I don't think, I think it's right around 50 50, if not sometimes favored if you're playing the heavy yeah. judge and the path builds, right? Which seems one to be thing I will, uh, at it. yeah, one thing I'll mention is Leon's and Nathan's list were one card different as well. So, if you don't know where to start with Mew either, uh, you could probably just start with... <laughs> I think I like Nathan's build slightly better because there's only one card different because <laughs> it has... I like the three judge over the two judge in Amarni, which is the only different in Leon's list over Nathan's list. So yeah, yeah if you're looking somewhere... If you want to play Mew and you're looking for somewhere to start, I mean, it's pretty much proven at this point that that list is uh, pretty good. So start there. So another question here. Pro cons of Arc Dural and gudra right which one of those two you know if you're debating if you want to play a tank and heal deck right a deck that's going to be hard for your opponent to deal with you want to set up a big wall either with the gudra taking the reduced damage or duraludon with a ton of hp and the skyscraper ability making it so it can't be hurt by pokemon with special energies on them which way are you looking? Obviously, Gudra is kind of the hype deck right now. It just had two top eight finishes in Liverpool. Duraludon, maybe in a little bit of a precarious spot with the Lugias playing canceling Cologne. Uh, yeah, possibly. I guess that's like a like a big deal for Arctur. Yeah, they, they got the canceling Cologne. I think the more important part is they don't just have canceling Cologne, but they are adding Skyla and Irida to their builds, which allows them to find the Canceling Clone or the Choice Belt to combo with it, so Lugia can now one-hit KO the Duraludon. Whereas before, the only way to get a one-hit KO, unless you play Paths of the Peak, which not many people did, the standard way to only get a one-hit KO was through the Evital, right? Yeah. Um, but even then, the addition of this Irida and Skyla technology into the Lugia deck does allow the Lugia players now to more easily find their vacuums, which gets rid of the Parasol, which makes it more easy to get a one-hit KO with the Evital. So... 
that the, all those factors alone with being that being the most popular deck i definitely don't think i'm a huge fan of arc Dura. also the possibility of sky sealstone flipping a lot of the lost box matchups and putting that in their favor which is possible i think in the current uh with uh in the current uh in the way the current the matchup currently breaks down because like if you just ko the arceus and then ko one duraladon with sky sealstone you draw that's all your prize cards you don't have to go through a second duraladon anymore which is a pretty big deal so it's definitely possible there and i think guja on the flip side of that i don't think guja has like any of the problems that duraladon is gaining like sealstone could be a slight problem for guja but definitely doesn't impact the matchup as much as it impacts Arceus Duraladon. Uh, and stuff like the canceling cologne and vacuums and stuff don't affect Gudra quite as much. We even saw Stefan not even playing big parasols in their Gudra build when they got second at uh, at Liverpool Regional. So they didn't even have big parasols in the build, right? So, I mean, they weren't even scared of Yuvatal to begin with. <laughs> like, they're like, all right, you can Yuvatal. I mean, they still have the Temple of Sinnohs, right? So if you're, you put your Temple of Sinnohs on the right turns, yeah. it's going to be hard for them to use Yuvatal anyways. But if the one Yuvatal happens, it doesn't mean your game's completely ruined. You can still like get a dub from there. So, yeah, I think Guja is definitely the superior tank heal deck uh, right now for sure. Yeah, I think Guja is a little better because, you know, if you're looking just at the two decks and how they play generally, right? Arceus Duraladon, no matter what you're playing against, has a very straightforward and simple game plan, right? Turn one, get an Arceus into the active. Hopefully you started it. Put an energy on it and pass. Turn two... Arceus V-Star attack, load up a Duraludon VMAX, and then just start swinging, right? Like, there's very little room to make plays with Arceus Duraludon. You're kind of just playing the hand that you're dealt. Whereas with Gudra, you're seeing a lot more of the deck, and you're giving yourself a lot more options just naturally with the way the deck plays and the way that the deck is constructed. So I do expect Gudra to be not only more popular, but also to just do better in the tournament because of the outplay potential that exists that Arceus Duraludon, I mean, really doesn't have. Uh, it's still a fine deck, I think. I think Arceus Duraludon is just fine, and I think you could play it and hit the right matchups and have a decent finish at this tournament, but, um, you know, you're not giving yourself really any room to, to do anything fancy, whereas with Gudra, you kind of have that ability. Yeah, definitely. A little bit more linear on the Arceus Duraludon side, for sure. Um and moving on to, you know, kind of one of the decks that we just talked about being a problem for our kids around on. Uh, the new technology in Lugia. Um, do you think that'll keep it ahead of everything else going into this weekend? Should people still be rocking the Canceling Cologne and Irida Skylight? I think one of the reasons people played it was, eh, I kind of want a way to deal with the Aerodactyl right. that people are running. Of course, the Aerodactyl, like, of course, the Aerodactyl does shut off the possibility for Luminian to find Irida or Skyla, but you can always just use Luminian before the Aerodactyl to put the Aerodactyl Skyla in your hand and then have it for the next turn when your opponent uses Aerodactyl to use that to find the Canceling Cologne. But even just having Canceling Cologne in general gives you an out to that matchup. I think that's one of the main reasons people want to include the Canceling Cologne. They don't want to get cheesed by the Aerodactyl, also good against Weezing. But the added effect is that it really does, I think, I think it hits Arceus around on harder than either of those decks. Yeah. Uh, and do you think that'll be something that people continue to play, like moving into this, uh, into this next major tournament? Yeah, I think that it makes sense, and I do like the inclusion of the either Skyla or Irida, and I think that's really kind of the big question is which one is going to be better. So yeah, the Cologne hits so many potential things for you. I still think Vikavolt Aerodactyl is pretty solid. Um, obviously, it just won the last American Regional, so I, I don't. that's not the type of deck that's ever going to be super heavily played, 
Yeah. But I think that there's a shot that, you know, so a few like solid players pick it up and it can do pretty well with it. So I think it's maybe worth having that answer. And um, yeah, I guess if Duraludon goes down and play, like the value decreases there a little bit. But um, yeah, definitely. I think Skyline and Irida are just surprisingly like pretty decent <laughs> in Lugia. Um, I still think I'm personally a little bit of a fan of the Irida over the Skyla and that being alongside if you're playing two Luminion. I think if you're playing double Luminion, Irida's better. Maybe if you're only playing one Irida, you go, or sorry, one Luminion, you go the Skyla. <laughs> two Irida. Yeah, right, right. Uh, <laughs> if you're only playing one Luminion, maybe you go the Skyla route. And I actually pulled up Tord's tweet here because he um, was the one who's playing Skyla in Liverpool. He said that... Um, Skyla gives you access to your single copy items and acts like a consistency card early. Skyla greater than Irida since it also lets you grab boss for the following turn. Now, I mean, if you're playing double Luminion, Irida also lets you grab boss for the following turn, right? Through yep. the Luminion. It does, you know. And it also keeps your options open depending on what your opponent does, right? Because now you can maybe use that Luminion to get you something else. But uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I've been a fan of the double Luminion in Lugi. I don't know what, how you feel about it. So that is maybe why I'm leaning more towards Irida. But what are your thoughts, Skyler versus Irida? Uh, yeah, double Luminion has felt pretty good in there as well, or for sure. Um, I do think, yeah, I do think, because I, I do have been liking the, I do like the double Luminion. So I kind of do like the, the Irida for that reason as well. Uh, but if you are rocking one, I guess they have the Skyler movie makes a little bit more sense. There's going to be less targets for the era to even get you anyways to begin with. Yeah. So you may as well have the flexibility to like grab a follow-up supporter. Yeah, for sure. So are you a fan of the the Cologne as well in Lugia this weekend? I think I would just... I feel like the deck has almost evolved to the point where it has answers for almost literally everything. We've seen like Tord's list specifically. There's no Bird Keeper in here anymore. So Tord probably wouldn't have been happy to run into any kind of Articuno deck. But when was the last time anyone saw one of those? Anyways, most of the other Lugia players have been keeping the Birdkeeper around, so it does kind of make sense that no one's really going to be uh, playing any type of deck like that. But maybe this is the time for those decks to make a resurgence, to be honest, right? Um, so, yeah, I think I would... Uh, yeah, it almost feels like the that combo, the Canceling Cologne, one Vacuum, one Choice Belt, plus the Yorda or the Skyla, that covers such a wide variety of matchups that you want those options in that. And I don't, and I think if you cut any of those, like if you cut down to zero vacuum, zero canceling clone or zero choice belt, uh, which we have seen, I think I wouldn't play the Skyla or the Irida, but as long as you're rocking uh, the item, uh, the item package, playing the one of the one way to guaranteed find those through the Luminion makes a lot of sense. And like another reason to kind of play double Luminion, I think would also be, uh, well, if you use one of your Luminians, but it's super important to find these item cards, having the second Luminian to find your Skyla or your Irida to find the item card also makes a decent amount of sense to include that that second Luminian as well. So it kind of combos really well with the the whole Irida thing to begin with, to be honest. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think they're good. Yeah. Because you, cause you have really good matchups, right? Like, you don't lose, like, anything. Yeah. I mean, that's why it's the best deck, right? <laughs> yeah. gives you so many <laughs> options. True. You can build it so many different ways. And that really, I guess, becomes a question. Do you like that going into this weekend of uh, what Tor did not playing Birdkeeper? Like, is it okay to take the L if you play against the Articuno cheese that we saw be so popular in uh, Toronto? Um, I don't know. The, the more the more that people cut it, the more likely it is to right. rise back up. And it I actually was that looking at game of that... chicken almost, right? <laughs> yeah. Looking at the other list, it looks like Raz chose to cut the Birdkeeper as well, but Kim did play it. Those are the two players who got top eight. Uh, and right at ninth place, Ethan also chose to not play the Birdkeeper. So it looks like quite a few people are cutting the Birdkeepers from their builds. Um, and actually, to be kind of to kind of talk about that, even at the height of Birdkeeper, where we saw it in most, if not every Lugia deck, 
we still saw people doing decently well with Palkia Articuno. So the deck still can function pretty well into a field that is pretty like like where the field's like kind of teched out for it. Um, so now that some people are cutting the bird keepers, I don't know. That does kind of bring the beg the question: Is it time for the paralysis stuff to make a resurgence for sure? Yeah, we could see that pop back up. Um, a deck that we did not see any of in top eight of Europe, and really only one in the top thirty-two is Reggie's. Now, Reggie's is a deck that always seems to do really well at the American regionals. I think there's been one in top eight of like every American regionals this season, almost, it feels like. Um, a lot of them. Yeah, most? Mo mo definitely most, uh, if not all of them. We can wasn't one check in Toronto. That. Wasn't one in think. Toronto? Okay. Yeah, but maybe everyone before that. Yeah, it was definitely on the decline as far as hype in Toronto. I remember everyone thought it wasn't any good because it couldn't beat Lugia, right? Um, yeah. There was none in Peoria as well, but that was a big surprise that there was zero Reggie in top eight of Peoria, to be honest. That was like, there were so many people playing it, and it was doing so well to begin with. But, yeah, Reggie's uh, yeah, and kid mo showing up for the most part. It, right, as well. Yeah. Reggie's showing up for the most part at most American regionals. Um, but we don't see it quite the same over in Europe, that's for sure, which is interesting. I feel like there is sometimes a little bit of, and there wasn't no Reggie's in day two, uh, but the only Reggie player in top 16 um there was some reggies in day two but the only reggie player in top 32 at 16th place was rahul an american player who went over <laughs> right. uh, to Liverpool regionals and placed the best with the reggie so um it definitely is interesting i think that i think there's sometimes like little things like that you know region to region where some regions play decks a little bit more some a little bit less and it does kind of seem like reggies is currently a difference between america and europe it's hard to compare the other regions in those kind of talks as well because there's just so many less events over in australia uh in latin america right now but like yeah between europe and america that's like the big difference right now reggie versus uh reggie versus no reggie so with it not being super played in liverpool and with gudra doing pretty well at liverpool obviously getting second place another one in top eight and being a pretty heavily talked about deck going into the tournament I mean, Gudra's not a good matchup for Reggie. It's pretty much unwinnable. Pretty um, and there's not really anything you can add to fix the matchup, right? So with that being considered, do those things scare you off of recommending Reggie's to people this weekend? I don't think so. Um, the mat the term's going to be just so massive. And, like, Gudra's going to be what? Like, 3 to 4% of the meta? Maybe it gets up to 5, right? Like... That's not a big percent of the meta. Um, and I want to say it's going to have like a very good success rate or anything like that. So it's day one to day two conversion won't be super high, uh, so like higher than anything else, probably. Uh, so I wouldn't say it should scare you off of playing Reggie. If you were, if you were set on going into if you were set on playing Reggie's before Liverpool happened, I think you should still be set on playing Reggie's going into this one. There's no real tech you can tech in it either. Um, you can do like lost vacuum to get rid of Parasol so that way Reggie's can attack Gudra. Um, but I think that's a little bit of cope because they have so many switch cards. Do they really care? Most of the time, no. They'll be able to switch around it, switch out of it. And they only need to get so far ahead anyways to begin with before they're just like super far ahead and you can't do anything to come back anyways. Um, so I don't think it's... I definitely wouldn't tech for the matchup. If you're playing Reggie's, if we don't tech for Gudra, <laughs> that's just a waste of time. Uh, but I also think it would be like a fine play overall too. Yeah, it's like it's one matchup and it's going to be a more of a, more of a fringe matchup to begin with. So I don't yeah. think anything else is kind of shifting around where there's like a whole ton of Reggie hate besides. And Gudra's not even there to hate on Reggie. It just kind of naturally beats it, right? A lot of people were like, Reggie's are too good. Got to play the Gudra. It was just like, hey, Gudra's kind of cool right now. Let's play it. It also beats Reggie's, right? 
Yeah, so I think Gudra will still be pretty popular. I mean, also just like it's the cheapest Pokemon deck. Like it's gotta like you, if you wanted to build Reggie's from scratch right now, it would have to cost you like thirty five bucks or something like that. Like yeah, it's so cheap, so easy to pick up. Um, and so I think that's gonna be a good route for players to go if you're someone who. You know, because like like I mentioned earlier, like Florida's got a massive Pokemon community. Maybe people who haven't played in regionals since the last Florida regionals back in Daytona in 2019. You know, um, if that's you know the case, maybe we'll see people picking up kind of the cheapest good deck and just rolling with it. Yeah, yeah. And when a when a deck is this good and this cheap, like the value's there, right? The value like... is <laughs> insane for sure. On Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Hundred dollar investment to the regional, seventy dollars to play in the tournament, and then thirty dollars for your deck to play in the tournament. Yeah, uh, and the deck's pretty good. So like you, yeah, you can't complain on that one for sure. All right, and then one more deck, I think. Oh no, we got a couple more decks to talk about. Sorry. Uh it's just the end of the page. Um so how should <laughs> uh players feel about picking up control going into this weekend? Something definitely worth talking about, as Sander, of course, did just get top eight in Liverpool with a unique control build compared to what we have seen in the past. We talked about it on the podcast last week, Azul. I don't know. What do you think about the flying Pikachu, Reggie Alecki? Is this the way to play control? Mewtwo V Union? I don't know. What do we think? Control, how does it feel for this tournament? Uh, well, Mewtwo V Union, I definitely wouldn't play. I think it's way too risky, especially with canceling Cologne all of a sudden in Lugia Death. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so now they can just Yvitol your Mewtwo V Union. Um and then it has those, like, the troubles against Lost Ray and stuff as well. So definitely don't play Mewtwo V Union uh, Control. But Sanders' new concoction, I think, is pretty good. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if you want to put the time in to learn the matchups, uh, there's a little bit of nuance to all the matchups uh, with the new Blind Pikachu VMAX can't, technology. Can't beat them, so we had to join them. Um, I don't see a reason to not uh, play Control if you're a Control fan. Like, I think Sanders done most of the work for anyone who wants to pick up Control. You know, you just got to <laughs> pick up the list and, and run some games with it. And, Sander even put out a twit longer. Uh, was it today? Yesterday? I think today, uh, kind yeah. of going over some of the choices, you know, why flying Pikachu over SQ, stuff like that. So if you want a little bit more in-depth analysis on it, go check out. I guess the biggest one would be Radiant Guardvor versus Radiant Greninja. So go check out Sander's Twitter, uh, at Sander Wojcik, W-O-J-C-I-K. Um, yeah, go check out there. Go check out their Twitter. Read the tweet longer if you wanted some more in-depth on it. And I believe they also did a... Sander usually does, like, post-tournament uh, Twitter thread where they answer some questions that people ask questions about when they post their deck list on Twitter. So they usually post their deck list on Twitter in a picture, and people ask some questions. They also have some more information there. So if you're looking for a little bit more in-depth analysis of uh, what Sander was rocking, why they were rocking it... Um, and yeah, and yeah, I think it's just, I mean, it's a good deck. It's a good deck, right? Like, I don't think, I don't think anyone's going to be too concerned. How could you be concerned? Like, it's, it would feel really, like, it feels really weird to, like, be concerned with teching for control when it's, like, a 1,500-person tournament. Um, I don't know, but you, naturally, teching for, like, ice cues and stuff could also lead you to being able to beat stuff like the Flying Pikachu, so that'd be sure. fine as well, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's just a huge, such a huge tournament. I don't think that all of a sudden, like, people see Sander make another top eight, uh, and control is going to be, like, super teched for um so it's still like i think like a solid a, re a really solid choice if you want to you know put the time into uh learning how it works or if you just want to pick it up the night before and try and cheese your way through some games with a control <laughs> yeah. deck that's always fun too make sure you a at least people... know how the deck works though right <laughs> yeah i mean a lot of people struggle with like coming up with ways to beat stuff like control that's why control is like such a powerful deck to begin with is because when you go up against players who are you know not as experienced at 
um, coming up with strategies in the Pokemon TCG, you start doing your thing reasonably well as a control deck, and your opponent just completely like falls apart. And they have no idea what's going on. They're playing this wrong. They're playing that wrong. They're misplaying here, misplaying there. And you can get some really easy wins with control decks like this. So, um, yeah, yeah, control's cool. Yeah, I think we might see some control this weekend but like you mentioned there's just so many players <laughs> in the tournament uh because that would be the other question right is like is it worth teching uh for control and really like i guess just playing a deck that can beat flying pikachu right would be the main thing um yeah if you wanted to tech for it but um i don't know like it's you know 1500 players gonna be a small percentage of the room regardless of you know this finish um i guess the one question i would think about is you know from crown zenith there is one card that could technically work in this deck you know we've seen sander has obviously starly here with the keen eye to search your deck for two cards and in crown zenith there is the calyrex um which i think this is probably the first time that many tcg players have seen calyrex's legs <laughs> this is a weird oh, looking it's that Pokemon. card yeah yeah oh. it's this card yeah uh, it it also lets you search your deck for two cards, so it does does the same thing as Starly. It's also for two colorless energy, but it does thirty damage and it has more HP. Now the upside to Starly is that it has the ability that lets you use it for free if you Bird Keeper into it, and that alone is probably enough to make Starly better than Calyrex. Just the free attack letting you put your energy elsewhere like a Speed Lightning onto a Regieleki, for instance, right? Also, the extra retreat cost when the capture energy are in the list. Like, you mm. can't turn one capture, go get Snorlax and retreat to Snorlax. I hadn't considered the retreat cost just yet. But yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, Starly is probably still better, but, you know, something that does exist in the new set that is technically a control consideration, right? Yeah, yeah. And those legs. <laughs> <laughs> those legs. <laughs> They've been there all along. You've just never noticed it. Go look at Shadow yeah. Rider, Calyrex. <laughs> Yeah, for some reason, when you said Calyrex, I was picturing Shadow Rider in my head. I was like, okay, Shadow Rider card. I Look, haven't seen this one yet in the new set. The legs, um, they're oh, there. You can see them a little bit. <laughs> they were there the whole time. <laughs> they were there. Yeah, because Calyrex is like... Such a funny-looking like, card. So Calyrex is the Pokemon, and then the horse is actually a different Pokemon, Spectrier. But then they combine together to become Shadow Rider Calyrex, right? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the lore there from Pokemon. Is there only like is is it like a is Calyrex, is it one of those Pokemon that is like just one of in the world or is it like a you know there's multiple a mythical Calyrex. Pokemon? I don't think it's yeah. a mythical Pokemon. I think it's just a legendary. I actually don't know. Worth maybe mm. looking at, but yeah, I don't know. That's you know, it's kind of funny for TCG. I've heard uh, Joe Brown, one of the VGC commentators, complain before about how. Um, the trading card game gets to play with all the cool Pokemon where the video game, like, like they don't get to use Pokemon like Mew and Genesect and stuff like that. Cause they're mythicals, but you know, Mew yep. Genesect is one of our best decks, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's just funny, you know, how it works out. And I wonder if it, it almost makes you wonder if it's like intentional, <laughs> are they spreading it out between the games where if, you know, if you want to play with these mythical Pokemon that you can't use in the video game competitions, you got to go play some TCG. <laughs> maybe they're trying to yeah get all the video game players over here um yeah i think that covers most the only other thing to talk about i think would be um i mean there's there's we've seen decks be good in the past that people are still kind of clinging on to a little bit i mentioned palkia earlier and then we've seen arceus as well i think is the other one to kind of mention here and we've seen it pop up 
do decently. Let's, uh, let's actually check at Liverpool. I don't count Arceus Duraladon. I say this all the time. I don't count Arceus Duraladon as an Arceus deck. It's just the best way to play Duraladon. Um, but it looks like the highest placing Arceus Flying Pikachu Aerodactyl like box type deck got 31st in Liverpool. So it's still clinging on. We saw Makani get top eight at San Diego or top four, top eight at fifth place. So it's still hanging about. But I just can't come up with a reason because the deck doesn't have that good of matchups against everything. I can't come up with a reason to actually play uh, Arceus. The the Palkia, I mean, if people are cutting Bird Keepers from Lukia, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of looking at that Palkia deck a little bit more. But I can't come up with a reason to play an Arceus deck right now. Uh, and even even including now Arceus Duraldon, I feel like Arceus Duraldon is kind of making his way out every time. Like I feel like every week, the last couple weeks, I've been like Arceus Duraldon's looking a little bit better. It's looking a little bit better. Oh, they're playing Cologne and Skyla and their Lugia decks now. Okay, it's looking a little, a little bit worse. So we probably shouldn't play that anymore. But what do you think about Palkia and more traditional Arceus decks? Yeah, I think the Palkia is pretty interesting actually because you theoretically could play something for all of the top matchups, right? Like you play Articuno for Lugia. You're talking about Mew. Um, Honestly, Drapion. like Palkia could play Drapion and Sky Seal Stone, right? Because you can just you can pa- <laughs> that, you can you can Palkia that far. I mean, it's one card, right? You're probably already playing Drapion anyway, right? So you you just Palkia KO a Genesect and then Sky Seal Stone Drapion a Genesect. You've got Intellion to find all the pieces like insanely easily. Maybe there's something That's there. True. I don't know. Palkia could be decent. Um, I've said for like the past week or so that i actually think like an arceus deck with radiant eternatus could be interesting and i think that might be the best way to play radiant eternatus we haven't seen many people experimenting with that just yet it feels like most of the ways people are playing radiant eternatus is alongside like a lost boxy deck but imagine like makani trans deck from san diego but you take out all the basic v's that you know kind of make things a little clunkier for you and you just play four arceus you still need aerodactyl and the v star in there and then you know you can just go get your radiant eternatus out and get those v maxes in play for the specific matchup that you want right yeah i've heard a couple of people mention some kind of builds like that i haven't tried out anything myself um but the v maxes like aren't that high of a priority in if you look at makani's build specifically like Either setting up a one-one Espeon in most games, or like a one-one Flying Pikachu. They're not you're not too committed to like getting both of them out aggressively. You've got some time. Uh, maybe you want one of them out turn two, uh, but maybe that opens up the room. Maybe that opens up some room though with a build like that to include more different V Maxes, right? So I could see that. I guess like you're just adding more options um, and trying to have some power. So I have trying to have some more power through the rating alternatives with that. So I could see that. I could see that. And it's an Arceus deck, so as long as you get that turn one ad- attachment down to the Arceus V. Thank you, everybody. Eternatus. That might be a little bit much to get consistently with the Arceus deck, but if you can do that, you know, you have Starburst on turn two, so you can basically do whatever you want as a follow up uh, in most games. So I could see it. I could see it. Definitely not sold on it, but it'll be something worth trying out for sure. Uh, it'd be cool to see Arceus back, uh, back trying to get towards the top, but um, <laughs> what about. Uh, no, I think that's the two, right? As I said, mentioned Palkia, Arceus, right? Those are the two. Yeah, and then Vikavolt, we kind of already talked about, right? So I think that's. Yeah gonna cover all the main decks we're not talking about eternatus vmax because nobody should and uh (laughs) from there um let's do some predictions azul for orlando regionals this coming weekend over under 2.5 lugia v star in top eight over under i'm gonna go under under so two or less i think that under is a good bet and i'm gonna i'm gonna go with that as well crown zenith card most likely to be in a top eight deck 
Let's go with, I mean, there's just, well, you can pick between like three, right? There's only like three things to, I'm like trying to like think of something else that I could pick out. Uh, so it's probably Sky Seal Stone. I'm going to go Sky Seal Stone. Sky Seal Stone is the safest bet, but I'm going with one we no. haven't even talked about yet, Azul. We haven't even talked about him. Optimal Badoo. Optimal Badoo. something Carefree countenance in top eight. Someone's playing Bieberl. Probably not. It's probably going to be Sky Seal Stone. But to keep it interesting, I'm guessing, I'm, I'm guessing Badoof. I'm guessing Badoof. It's been a while since we've seen a seen a, B, a B barrel up there. It's about time he's made his comeback. Yeah. He's ready to go. He's look just at, got an optimal Bidoof. Like, Raikou ain't stopping, ain't sniping your Bidoof anymore. It's time. And look at how happy this Badoof is, man. He's just happy to be a part of the team, you know? Just he's sitting chomping. there gnawing on his stump, as happy as can be. <laughs> Highest placing for a Radiant Eternatus deck. Um, I'm gonna go a little. Uh, this this seems a little bit hopeful for me, but I want to see someone come up with something cool, spicy. I hope it's not just someone who gets like lucky with a with a a Duraludon build because Duraludon doesn't seem that good. I can't imagine it being good. Um, so I'm gonna say top 32. Get a Radiant Turnus in top 32. I think that's like that's pushing it a little bit, maybe. But uh, I'm I I want someone. I I think someone could come up with something for sure. That's pretty good. I would love to see Radiant Eternatus in top 32. I'd love to see Radiant Eternus Eternatus in top eight. But I'm gonna be more realistic than you, Azul. I'm gonna say <laughs> top 64 for sure. <laughs> Radiant Eternatus. All right. That might be generous too. We'll see. I don't know. I, I'm I'm just honestly heartbroken because I was so excited for that card, man. I was so excited. <laughs> someone someone make a orb beetle deck. You know, it, make it happen. It's just two orb beetles. You do so much. Spread so much damage. Come on now. That is a lot of. That's a lot of spread damage. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Will Mew once again be the second most played deck? So I think if we'll just break it down, I don't think it'll beat out all Lost Box variants, but if like we break it down by the most played Lost Box variants, which will probably be Rayquaza, could be Kyogre, probably Rayquaza though. Um, Mew, will Mew overtake that to become the second most played deck once again, like it was previous to uh, San Diego? Um... I think so. I think that might be close. Like, I don't know. Maybe Rayquaza will compete. I think Mew will probably overtake it. Yeah, I think Mew will be second most played deck. If the Lost Zone, Lost Zone percentages are combined, you know, if you combine all Lost Zone decks, all Lost Zone, like, box decks, not Gudra, not Tina, combine those together, I think they would surpass Mew at, in, in being second place. But I think if you split them up, then um, I think Mew will probably be uh, number two in the most played. Not Not close to Lugia, but, you know, maybe around 12 to 15%. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I, th I think, well, yeah, I think Mew will likely get back to the, the second place um, when back, you break, when you break down the decks. Okay, and finally, Azul, what deck is going to win the tournament? What's winning the event? Um, I'm going to go with Lost Box. That's still like Lost Box variants in general are in my top picks. I plan to try and win the event, and Lost Box are still in my top picks to play for this event. So I'm gonna go with, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with a Lost Box variant of some kind as uh, my pick for the win. Yeah, Lost Box has not won uh, majors in this format just yet, but it's been such a, you know, definitive deck, right? It's been such a staple yeah. deck of the format, both Kyogre and Rayquaza. Um, so it feels like Lost Box is maybe due for a win, but I, I almost have to wonder if this is a weekend where people are respecting it a little too much or trying to find answers a little too much um i like how we're saying this format but this is definitely a new format with crown zenith but then we can it's gonna be like the exact same format for a while <laughs> yeah, but don't yeah, worry yeah. 
it has six more tournaments to try and get the dub after or no this is one of this it'll have five more after orlando to try and get the dub so to be fair i was counting it as a silver tempest format tournament but you're you are correct yes i mean it the, basically the, is the first it feels like it is the first major of this new format um i think actually, called it the pokemon go format so this is not the ground scene of the format it's still silver tempest i'm going to go with um a mew win actually i think mew is still yeah. very good yeah and you know it, we've seen second place we see a win i think mew's got the stuff to make it two wins two majors in a row Yeesh. roll up with your mew v maxes this weekend bust them out it's time <laughs> let it ride mew, mew country let's ride all right <laughs> mew's back to try and take the number one be the number one deck again maybe it is this whole time what if mew has just been because, like, it survived. Like, where has Arceus and Palkia have fallen off from being the do the top dog to now, you know, a pretty, uh, like, a tier four or tier three deck. Um, definitely more of an underling deck. Mew has kind of main, even when we thought it wasn't as good as it as it, uh, as it it was, it kind of maintained strong, right? It's still kind of um, carried on as being a top a top deck. Um, and I think, it's, I think part of it is kind of like the, uh a, a lot of people gave up on it and kind of the general consensus in the community that it's not as good as it was or it's not good at all uh carried on a little bit too hard i think mew has probably always kind of been a you know a top dog and it just kind of was getting uh unrightfully kind of pushed uh pushed to the wayside so yeah i mean i, I would get a mew winning here would not surprise me at all because i don't think like i said i don't think drapion's gonna numbers are gonna go that much higher up um Definitely maybe a little bit more than there was, but not to the point where not not Arlington levels of Drapion. That was insane how much Drapion was at Arlington. Yeah. Drapion will be up, but Mew even higher. We, Come on, baby. Yeah. Mew for the win. Let's see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for this week, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Azul, do you have any final thoughts before we kind of close it out? No, I think that's all I got uh for for this one. Yeah, thanks everyone to for listening. If you do enjoy we appreciate your support by just leaving us a simple rate and review on your favorite podcasting platform. Or if you're over here on the YouTube channel, dropping us a like, a little comment, interact with it, the video for the YouTube algorithm. Uh, those small things just take a second or two, but they do help us so, so much. So we really do always appreciate that. And we read all the YouTube comments as well. So um, if you guys want to stay connected with us, the best place to do that is over on Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Ritchie. Azul is at Azul underscore GG. And you can follow the podcast at Uncommon underscore Energy. Thanks, as always, for the continued support. And good luck to everyone driving down to Orlando this weekend. Yep. Peace. See you guys. <laughs>